The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday. Happy 2024, everybody. Happy New Year. Hope you're doing well as we are starting a new week, starting a new year here on ESPN 106.7. It is great to be back here in the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. It's just, again, it's so glad and so good to be back here in the studio so much to talk about today. There's no possible way we get through all of it here in the show. But again, I hope you all had a wonderful holiday uh, with Christmas and everything else that you celebrate. And then the start of the new year, uh, it was a good week off for us, uh, myself particularly. I traveled a ton, uh, a lot, but I got to see family and friends, multiple states and all that good stuff. So, but It's time to get back because we got so much to talk about today. It's unbelievable. And normally, uh, if you've been with us for a while, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, Uncle T-Bone, my co-host, he's with me in the studios Tuesdays and Thursdays. I fly solo with a couple of guests. But with the start of the new year and no show yesterday, Uncle T-Bone joining us in the studio on a Tuesday. Great to see you, man. Happy New Year to you. And it's great to be back with you in the studio. Well, I missed it, Jacob. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to everybody listening. The thousands upon tens of thousands of you out there streaming and listening to us at 106.7 ESPN Radio on the line, Jacob. And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about. What an exciting day yesterday in college football. We had an Auburn Bowl game, if you want to call it that. We got basketball cranking back up. We got Double D, Daryl Dapperage in today. Yeah. So here in the uh, Plaza Bar and Studio, it's on the line, man. Uh, the show that tells it like it is, right? That's right, and holds nothing back. And that's what we're going to do today on this program is talk about all of that and then some. And uh, we've got playoff games to talk about, other bowl games to talk about, the Auburn Bowl game, unfortunately, to talk about. We've got basketball, NFL. I mean, you name it, we're going to talk about it today and throughout the next couple of weeks and months because outside of a week from, or I guess a week from yesterday, coming up this Monday, it's the off season for football. It's talking season. It is the what-if season, the hypotheticals, the fun time that we get to talk about and recap the season we just took in and preview the season that will be next year. And, of course, we have the national championship game. It is set. We're going to talk about that today, talk about the playoff games last night, which were some of, if not the best playoff games we've had yet in this college football playoff era. So that's exciting to talk about. And until Daryl Dapper, as you mentioned, Double D, he'll join us coming up in hour number two. And a fun surprise there with Daryl. He joins us on Tuesdays. He is my usual Tuesday guest. I know Uncle T-Bone's normally not with me on Tuesdays, uh, but wanted to come in since we didn't have the show yesterday. We got so much to get through. Daryl normally joins us at 3.30 on Tuesdays. 
and he's with us for about 15 minutes. He's going to start joining us an extra 15 minutes earlier on Tuesdays moving forward. We're going to have him on the show for 30 minutes every Tuesday because we talked about it off the air, and he was like, man, we always have things to talk about. We always run long. He said, how about we just go an extra segment? I said, Daryl, you are a man of the people, and you can come on he my is. show anytime. So the Love Montgomery it. radio legend himself, Double D, will be joining us today at 315. So really excited to hear what he has to say about all things Auburn athletics. That guy, he knows it better than most, Uncle T-Bone. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a gander here and not really go out on a limb and say he's going to have a lot to say about Auburn football Give us a call at 334-321-9001. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I there's got to be people dialing in right now. Well, we're going to get to the phone lines when people call in. Until Double D gets on, until Daryl joins yeah. us in hour number two, the phone lines are open. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. You know the number. Call on in. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to talk the playoff games that happened just last night but if you have any thoughts on that Auburn football Auburn basketball offseason basketball with SEC play starting this weekend the game coming up tonight for Auburn basketball whatever you want to talk about we've been gone for over a week we got to get caught up and we'd love to hear from you on the phone lines 334-321-1390 Uncle T-Bone how about those playoff games last night man you start with Alabama Michigan couldn't think didn't think it could get any better than that and Washington and Texas said, hold my beer. Alabama-Michigan started off in the Rose Bowl, 4 o'clock kickoff. Michigan takes care of business in that ball game in overtime. That's, uh, that's something you don't normally see a lot of in a college football playoff is an overtime game. Uh, number one, Michigan, 14-0 now, winning 27-20. to I thought that, uh, like most people going into this game, that Alabama would take care of business. But the one thing that was concerning to a lot of Alabama people and to a lot of people that I know around here is the fact that that line was hanging around at one to two. Alabama catching points is a rare underdog, especially in the college football playoffs. And then right before kickoff, jumping up to two and a half. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you just got to kind of keep an eye on that. I'm not saying that Vegas is infallible, but that was very, very odd. Michigan did the one thing that's probably going to bother me more and more about 4th and 31 as we move on for the rest of our radio careers that you've got to do to Jalen Milrow, and they did it very well. They did it even better than Texas did in the second game of the season. They did it better than South Florida did against Tyler Buckner. They put a tremendous amount of pressure and stress on Jalen Milrow. He was completely rattled in that first half. He did not throw the ball very well. You cannot let him sit back there with that big arm and pick and, and just heave it to receivers. Mm-hmm. You cannot continually be in zone against Alabama unless you're bringing pressure. And that defense for Michigan was the absolute difference maker in the game, especially in that first half. Now, credit to Alabama at half making some adjustments and going more to an RPO, something that they probably should have done a little bit earlier in that game, Jacob. Yeah, there's no doubt, and and there's a lot more that I have to say that you have to say and our callers have to say as well about the playoff games and then Auburn as well. Let's get to the phone lines for the first time today on this Tuesday edition, 2024 edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. And John and Auburn, you're the first one here in 2024 man how are you 
Hey, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Hey, went ahead, made a great purchase, bought me a Michigan t-shirt, a Michigan <laughs> beanie hat, because 2024, I'm afraid we're going to get our fair share of fear in the thumb, so hey, got to go troll the bammers where I can. That's right. But uh, hey, I wanted to say, I made, I made two predictions on this show a couple weeks ago. One was, uh, and Uncle T-Bone, you, you, you argued with me a little bit, but I had Washington over Texas. And, you did. Uh, a good and, pick. and I like that. And, and I like Washington again over Michigan. I think mm. when you look at the construction of, of football teams, and it's what Coach Freeze is trying to do here, you know, with dominant wide receiver play, uh, and you kind of see how the Washington offense is oriented, I think in, in looking at a Washington team that's kind of reached full cycle with a, with a better quarterback, I think you're seeing kind of the, the vision for what they're looking at for an Auburn team uh, a few years down the road. So really looking forward to that. I did have a question for Uncle T-Bone. Uncle T-Bone, I'm 40. I've followed Auburn football all my life. Aside from uh, the Purdue game and the bowl game about five years ago and maybe mm-hmm. an Auburn-Memphis game, I think, that was in Birmingham, yep. has there been a bowl game you can remember where Auburn exceeded expectations? That's a great question. I can man, tell I... you in my short lifetime, there's very, very few, John. Oh, man, I'm going to have to go back a ways on that and just give me a minute to think about it. I'll say this, in 2003 – Auburn played against Wisconsin in the Music City Bowl after a very, very disappointing season where Auburn was preseason number one in some polls and by many prognosticators going into that season. Uh, that was the year that Tommy Tuberville almost got fired. He, he really just about was fired with Jetgate, and uh, I didn't expect much out of that Tiger team when they rolled up to the Music City Bowl and took on Wisconsin and took care of business. Uh, man, you know, I've seen several laid eggs, especially in the last 10 years in these bowl games. I've gone through and done some stats over Auburn in the last 10 years, John, and we'll get into that a little bit more in the show. But it's been uh, it's been about 10 years of misery for Auburn football. And I can tell you this, the fans, especially me, are tired of it. Absolutely. There's a lot of Houstons and all that. One final, final thought I was thinking about, I keep seeing muffed punts in college games and had one in each playoff game, obviously a big one in the Iron Bowl. I can remember, I think Keontae Scott had a punt return for a touchdown against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I, I, other than that, I can't really remember any big punt returns for touchdowns this year, but I could probably tell you a dozen muffed punts in just big games this year. Really interesting. I wonder if special teams play will be played differently here in the future. Yeah, and you know, you bring up a great point. Of course, the Iron Bowl, which basically cost Auburn the game, and then oh, yeah, yeah, in both playoff games, you have muffed punts, and one of them almost cost Michigan the game. What Absolutely. a disaster that was! And it just seems that special teams there may not be, and I'm not saying this for everybody, but it just seems like special teams maybe isn't getting the focus that it used to, and maybe some programs just don't worry about it as much. Um, uh, it, it is kind of a, a weird trend that that caught on there near the end of the year, John. It is. It is. Anyway, thank you so much. Hey, one last thing. I was in. I was. In, I was in Tuscaloosa in 2006 for 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 fear of the thumb when Auburn got its fifth in a row, and I was with fans chanting, "You know, we love Shula because we did love Mike Shula, mm-hmm. and we'll always love Mike Shula for his contributions to Auburn football." Let me tell you, across the state, they are not chanting, "We love uh, Freeze today," because no. Hugh is Hugh is starting to take this state over, and I feel like the trend is heading our way even though it doesn't look good in 
the short-term returns. Yeah, I'm with you on that. John, thanks so much for the call, man. Great to hear from you as always. 334-321-1390. I'll, I'll try to answer his question about when was the last time Auburn exceeded expectations in a bowl game. Not just one, not just beat a team they were supposed to, but exceeded expectations, went out and just put up a good performance. Outside, he said Purdue a couple of years ago, which mm-hmm. was obviously a really, really good win. Not that that Purdue team was great, but you know what I'm saying. Sure. I go back to the Chick-fil-A Bowl against Clemson in 2007 on December right. 31st. Double overtime. Clemson was ranked six or seven ahead of you in the AP poll. I mean, that's the last one in my lifetime I can remember where Auburn went into a game that I don't remember. I was seven years old. I don't remember who was favored in this game, but Auburn was the lower-ranked team, and you went in and won a big-time game against a good Clemson team, double overtime. I remember watching it. It was super exciting. So that would be my answer to that question, and of course we're going to talk about the bowl game that happened a couple of days ago, but it's a good point that John brings up and something we'll get into later, the disappointment for Auburn in bowl games yet again. Oh, it's been a bitter disappointment. The last 10 years, the last 10 seasons, excuse me, beginning in 2014 when Auburn walked off the field in Pasadena just like Alabama did as a loser when they had a very good chance of winning that game and winning the national championship against Florida State. Two and seven in bowl games. The biggest win in 2018, like y'all have mentioned before, against Purdue in the Music City Bowl. And the only other win, a Birmingham Bowl win at Legion Field on a cold, miserable day in 2015 against the Memphis Tigers, whose coach was was heading out the door and going to Virginia Tech. So it's been misery. It started in the Outback Bowl in 14 with a loss to Wisconsin. There's been a couple of decent bowls that Auburn's been in. Uh, the Sugar Bowl where they got dominated by Oklahoma and then the Peach Bowl in 17 when they mm. did not show up against Central Florida. Another embarrassment. And, uh, you know, I've heard all that, the excuses. That was a national championship game, Uncle Tebow. Yeah. <laughs> UCF. Okay. UCF. <laughs> I mean, well, you know what? If they want to claim it, that's fine. I think Auburn should claim more national championships than they do. There you go. Um, I've heard all the excuses. You know, whether it's the flu, whether it's an exhibition game, the opt-outs, the NIL, the transfer portal, they really don't matter if you're not in the playoffs. And and, and as a fan, I'm just not going to accept that. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a Joe. You're a pro. You know, I come from the fan's perspective, and I always will go to my website at uh, RadioFreeAuburn.com. You'll see it from a fan, for the fan. And tell that to the 30,000-plus that showed up in Nashville at the Music City Bowl and put their hard-earned Christmas money down on going to see the Auburn Tigers and supporting them that it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's not acceptable. I'm with you. And we do talk a lot about, myself included, how the bowl games have become – somewhat worthless but for the fans of the teams while the win may not mean all that much the loss hurts that much more right if you win this game and again we're going to talk a lot more about this but if you win this game if you're Auburn what does it do not a whole lot you're excited about it right you get a little momentum going into the offseason but not only did you lose you got dominated. Oh, yeah. You got dominated by second and third string guys for Maryland. Come on. You know what I mean? Like, And we've seen this story time and time again. And it is. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for people that have grown up watching Auburn, for Auburn fans, for people that cover Auburn. There's a lot that goes into that. 
And there's a lot more to talk about it when we come back. Plus, more reactions to the college football playoff yesterday, as well as we have a national championship matchup set. We'll talk about all that and more here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Come on in and be a part of it. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins. And let's get to the phone lines because he is Terry and he's on the phone lines. Terry, how are you, man? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Jacob. T-Bone, how y'all doing? We're doing great, man. What's on your mind on this beautiful Tuesday? T-Bone, I'm glad to hear you say that because opt-outs, the flu bug, all that kind of NIL, that kind of garbage. Once again, Auburn makes a backup quarterback look like a first-round draft pick. Made two of them look like that. that, That's had the, the, the starter. Oh, Talia, would have, it, would have, it would have been so ugly. Oh, it would have been horrible. Hey, Terry, Maryland had the opt-outs as well. They had the transfer portal. They they may not have had the flu bug like we did a, a week before, but, you know, it's not like they were uh, 100%. And you could tell right out of the gate they were ready to play and they wanted it, and we didn't. Yeah, they looked happier to be there than Auburn. And how many times have we said that statement right there about Auburn and bowl games in the last 10 years, Terry? I mean, it it seems like we say that every year, and it's right. Multiple times. And it's it's, – look, I I didn't like the way the defense played, but the real problem in Auburn is offense. That is the problem. And I don't want to hear about the recruits. We know they're coming, and we know what the future lies, hopefully. Mm -hmm. But I just just think it's disgusting that Auburn can't move the ball at all. And Peyton Thorne, look, Peyton Thorne is a seven- or eight-win quarterback. That's all he's ever going to be. And I think uh, Hugh Freeze has got him there to get him through the tough times so they can get Walker White or Hank Brown ready or whomever it is. Well, I think it'll be one of them too. We made it. We made it 22 minutes into today's <laughs> show before we got the quarterbacks brought up. And I'm glad you did, Terry, because this is going to be a conversation oh we have from right now all the way until the season opener next fall. Because well, let me ask you guys: this is this the worst game the offensive line has played? This year, yes. now, I know Texas A&M is up there, but that, I think Texas A&M fronts a whole lot better than than Maryland. Yeah, and, and I think I think that's probably an accurate statement, Terry. So I think, I think it's, it's the, the worst, worst game, game that we played no, not, offensively I'm, this year as I'm a sorry. whole. I think it's the worst game that we played offensively as uh, this year as a whole, and it's certainly the uh, the most basic, uh, worst schematic. Uh, least complex game uh, play calling I've seen yet as well. It was horrible. I mean, was Gus Malzahn back there calling it up the middle? Well, I talked to some some people I know were at the game. They said Hugh Freeze looked absolutely confused on the sidelines. It's like he didn't care. Like he's got a bunch of players that don't care, so he don't care. Mm. Yeah, there, there's self-admitted Hugh Freeze comes out post-game just like uh, New Mexico State says he was uh, busy recruiting, which is which is fair that he was not as involved in the game plan um, as he normally was, which I think is uh, not going – that dog will not hunt for me. I've already heard that once. It never needs to happen again. Now, do you think the offensive coordinator, too, will be dismissed? Hmm. Mm, I don't know if he'll be dismissed outright, but I think that he will be uh, uh, more disengaged in that offense moving forward. And, and quite frankly, I don't see how there's an argument that he – that he should be more involved in that offense moving forward. I mean, it's very clear, Terry, that when Hugh Freeze and Ken Austin are very, very involved with that offense, a la the Georgia game, the the Alabama game, that that 
the offense works better. Right. I think that's obvious, and it just—I don't know—it just it seems to be the problem. I just think I'm firmly it's believe a huge problem. that you you win with offense nowadays, not defense. Yeah, and you've been on that for a while, Terry. And you're—I mean, it's true. Look at the Washington game last night, man. It was whoever could score the ball last, or who could score yeah, twice. Who's got the ball last? Yeah, exactly. Whoever can score two times in a row, and I mean Auburn. Auburn can't score two times in a row this season. They couldn't do it. And oh, Jacob, by the way, you can't beat Alabama unless you score. Yeah. You can't beat anybody unless you score. Because I've always said the greatest defense in the world can only guarantee you a tie. Yep. You're right. Take care, guys. Well, the total the, the weekend with total loss, Alabama lost. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Terry. Three, three, four, three, two, one, thirteen, ninety. That at least gives Auburn fans a little something to be happy about. Yeah, I mean, you're going to hear about a lot of Auburn fans. I mean, it kind of eases the sting and pain of what we saw in the bowl game and really the end of the season. My thoughts on it are, um, you know, we should have ended their season on fourth and thirty-one. Yep. Yep. They so, never, it never, it never should have gotten to the point last night no. where Alabama had to play Texas in the, in the college I mean, football you, playoff. You can't stop a guy, and this is just going. Or, this you, is you know, going Michigan, to be a thorn in my side for quite some time, radio listeners. So, I mean, you're telling me on fourth and goal from the 31, you can't put just a little pressure on Jalen Milrow and make him roll out to the wrong side and and make him throw against his body. I mean, just a little pressure gives that kid problems. I mean, you know. And and, and call it bad luck, call it snake bit, call it poor defensive schematics. I, mean, they, I know Jabba. I'm Jabba out, folks. And they had, and I know they had seven guys in the end zone, and you should be able to stop them. But I mean that Auburn fans. So let's not get too giddy. I mean they are our rivals, and they'd be poking at us right now. But we should have ended that back in Jordan Hare Stadium. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And and here's the thing, though. It didn't happen, right? That was another instance this year where Auburn had a chance, had a chance to do something really, really big and didn't get it done, right? You didn't get it done. You had a month to prepare for a bowl game, which, uh, again, we're, we're going to go in depth here in a little bit on this, and we got a phone call that we're going to get to after the break as well. You had a month to prepare for this bowl game, and, and there's so many angles here, and, again, it's going to take days to get through all of this, but – I really do think it goes back to the calendar in college football right now. Like, I know that it is, it's just about impossible to be a successful head football coach in the game of college football right now, given everything you have to do, especially as a first-year head coach. But with this not being the first time we saw an underprepared, under-motivated, underperforming Auburn performance this year, the the... The excuses, I guess, don't satisfy me. They don't satisfy Auburn fans. And you can hear it already. We're 30 minutes in, and the frustration's coming through, as it should, as, is, as expected. This is a time where you could have said, okay, we didn't get it done against New Mexico State. We were underprepared, and we let them come in our house and beat us. Okay, we didn't prevent our biggest rival from going to the playoff, and we let them beat us on a miraculous play in our house. That's fine. But let's end this year on a high note. Let's end this year the way we're supposed to, and let's show all these fans that travel to Nashville, all the fans that are watching across the country and across the state of Alabama, let's show them and remind them that there's something to be passionate about in Auburn football. And that went out the window in the first five minutes of the game. No question. It was gone. And you knew it was gone. I mean, 14 nothing before you could even look up. And after that, you knew it was over. And nothing had changed. Nothing was different. And it was just another disappointing Auburn bowl game.
I mean, we've seen this scary movie before, right? I mean, and I'm telling you folks, you're going to have to just go with us here for a second. If you look back over the last 10 years of Auburn football, the last 10 seasons beginning in 2014, it is nothing but straight mediocrity. Yeah. In that bowl game, in that missed big opportunity against Alabama that was thrown out the window and Georgia. Yep. And uh, and, and that lackadaisical, lackadaisical effort against New Mexico State, that uh, – that barely skimming by the University of California is just nothing but what this program has been for 10 years with five different coaches, two of which have been interns, and that's mediocrity. Is it ever going to change? That's the question that Auburn fans are wanting to know, and it's a question we're going to talk about for the next, oh, I don't know, eight months until football season starts again. We'll talk about that the bowl game, the college football playoff, and everything in between when we come back. Plus, we'll get to the phone lines here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Joining me on a special edition of the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Uncle T-Bone in the studio. He's with me Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but came in today since we didn't have a show yesterday and since we've been out of the studio for what seems like a month. It was only a week, but it felt like a month. And so he's with us in the studio today and uh, talking all things college football, college basketball, and just sports in general. We'd love to hear from you on the phone lines 334-321-1390 and that's where we go again here on the show and Dak you're on the line man great to hear from me happy new year hey happy new year guys how's it going it's going man we uh we're, we got a lot to cover and I know you got a lot to say so we'd love to hear it man <laughs> oh my god I don't even know where to start I got so many things topics I want to talk about well let, but, hey man let uh, it rip yeah guys man it, I agree with y'all. It was unacceptable, just terrible. And you knew what was going to happen after three plays, man. I mean, it was like it was scripted, just like like the New Mexico State game. But, yeah. You know, I don't want to be one of those guys that goes and watches practice and then comes and tattletales, you know. Uh, uh, but but we played about like we we practiced. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, Dak, do you think that they uh, do you think that they even utilized all of their practice time over the break? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, well, there's a start. That probably but, needs to change. Yeah, I, I agree. And and in fairness, in fairness, though, you, we could have went and got Auburn High's receivers and Central Phoenix City's receivers and put them in the bowl game and had a better chance of having success than what we were left with. And and that's I know that sounds cruel, but it is the truth. It's probably their offensive lines also. Yeah, and and I mean, guys, I, I've said it before, and I and you guys will understand this. In the past, our twos and threes could have lined up and played with Maryland's, okay? Yeah. But our twos and threes right now could not go to UAB and Troy and play. 
And that's the truth. That's the hard truth. And 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 I think Coach Frazenham did a heck of a job coaching in 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 several games. Okay, and gave us a chance by their coaching. Mm-hmm. But I think we took off some weeks because of the physical mentality it took to play in those four games: Georgia, uh, Ole Miss, you know, LSU, and Texas A and M. And then we think we all we have to do is just show up and beat a New Mexico State team or a Maryland team. In the past, six, seven, eight years ago, we could have done that. We couldn't do that these past three years. That's how bad our twos and threes are. Well, that should be the standard, right? That should be the standard for Auburn is, yeah, you. there should never That's be right. a world where Auburn can't roll in. And, I mean, I, you could roll into the stadium 30 minutes with your slides on and beat New Mexico That's State. Right. Like, that's how that should be the expectation. And you should be able to beat Maryland every time you see them on the field. But, Dak, I'll go farther than three years, man. We're talking 10 or 15 years since yeah. Auburn's been able to say that. You're, you're right. And, and I think it's not just this staff, but the – the previous ones when we went to a bowl game, but they didn't take it serious. They didn't no. care about winning no bowl game. No, it was a, it was that, a celebration for getting there. And, and I just don't agree with that. I have never put myself on the field. I, I played in four bowl games. And, you know, I don't – I put the team first. I, and this leads me to my next thing I was going to say. How somebody – number four, uh, what's his name, D.B.? Mm-hmm. Uh, D- uh, DJ. Yeah. How he could leave his college days behind with that being the last play against Alabama, costing us the game, okay, and to leave it like that, that right there tells you a lot about somebody. And, th- and that team don't have no, no situation in his mind that cares about team. And it ain't just him. No, I, you know, and I'm and, with you, Dak, and I think that that's uh, – I don't think that that's just special to Auburn and some type of weird culture over there right now. I think that's very indicative of uh, the majority of people in college football right now. You can that. just kind of take a look at the NIL portal, and, I mean, it's just inundated with kids saying, hi, I'm out of here, going somewhere right. new. I don't like it here. You, It's been fun sharing a locker sure. room with you. I'll see you on the opposite side of the field next year for a couple hundred thousand right. dollars or whatever. So, look, right. you know this, Dak, but old school Auburn fans tell me all the time that Pat Dye used to tell them privately, your guys would be up about three to four times a year realistically. And then the rest right. of the time, what takes That's over? Right. Talent, motivation, right. discipline, you know, Hugh Freeze and this staff are doing everything they have to do off the field to try and get this mediocrity that's been just lingering over Auburn forever away from us. But that's got to continue on the field, too, because part of being a head coach or part of being this coaching staff's not just going out and lights out recruiting. You got game prep is part of the deal also. That's right. That's right. I agree with that. And I just, I just cannot for the life of me – as a player, with any pride that I've ever had, if that was the last play that I had in my college career, how could, how could I leave that on the field like that? I would want to come back and at least, you know, prove something, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in that bowl game. And, it, you know, and I'm not throwing him under the bus, it sounds like that, but, but I just don't understand it. And I wish that y'all, you guys, 
their contract. I don't know if it's contracts or what, but if they're getting paid and they choose not to play in a bowl game or they choose not to play because they got pissed off or whatever the last two weeks of the season, they have to pay back some of that money. Is I mean, how does that work? Well, Do that, they just that... get that's a great that's a great point that you bring up, and it's something that I've been wanting to talk about for the past week to get back on this program. We're not there yet, but you are a hundred percent right that we are going in that direction, and I think that will a thousand percent happen because it, look at college football, man. Look at the bowl games; they're terrible. They're horrible right. because you're playing with second and third string players, and that says nothing about those guys. It's just the fact that look at what Florida State did. I mean, they had so many opt-outs and guys quit on that team. I agree. And we knew that was going to happen. So you're exactly right, and we're going that direction. I've talked about it on this show where we're we're not very far away from players signing legitimate contracts to play college football. And in those contracts, with all that NIL money that continues to grow year by year, yeah, you better believe you're going to play every game for my football program if you're getting paid a couple hundred thousand dollars. And I think that's where we're headed. Right. And, and speaking of Florida State, guys, I want your take on this. To me, why would those guys opt out? I know they were pouting and, and using that as an excuse, not getting in the, in the Final Four. But, my goodness, they're playing Georgia, which should have been in the Final Four. So, to me, that bowl game, if I was the coach, I would be preaching to them, hey, you are in the playoffs. If you beat Georgia, then you got a legitimate shot of saying you deserve to be number one. Yeah. Now tell me if I'm wrong. I no. think it comes from a, a point of knowing, knowing, basically knowing the result. I mean, I, I think they knew. They knew they were going to get crushed in that game because Georgia was coming exactly. with everything they had. And that's my point. That's my point. Instead of them crying about not being in the Final Four, they could have played Georgia with their team and took it on like it was a playoff game because in my eyes it was. Yeah. If I was that coach, that's what I'd have been preaching to them. And, and who knows, if they would have beat Georgia, now you leave it, somebody's got to decide, you know? Yeah. But instead, they just quit. Yeah, it, it's, it's sad, man. But uh, you know what, Dak? I'll leave you with this. Doesn't that just kind of tell you where the generation and society kind of is right now? I'm not talking political. I'm just talking realistic here, man. Doesn't that yeah, kind of sure. just tell everybody absolutely. where we are right now? Right, Absolutely. And my last and my last thing, guys, to get y'all's take on this. And yeah. I said this before last night. Who's to say that Oregon ain't a top four football team? Because I've said when you play Washington, to me, Washington looks like the best team. And I have said that since they beat Oregon twice. Mm-hmm. Who's to say Oregon don't deserve to be in that top four? Because you know they played them both on the road both times. All right, and they lost by three. Didn't give up. They gave up under thirty points. Washington, really, if they had to took the brakes off last night uh, or the gas off last night, they could have scored 48 or 50 points. Mm-hmm. And and to me, Oregon, to me, is a top five football team. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's a fair point. Throw out there. You know, they, beat, they got beat twice, but they got beat by possibly the number one team in the country that's going to end up winning it. Yeah. No, I think you're, right, I think you're on to something. Thanks so much, Jack. Great, Great to hear from you, man. Thanks so much, man. 334 3-2-1-13-90. Three two one thirteen ninety. Dak's fired up. Dak's yeah, been, fired Dak's up. been waiting. He's been waiting four days to call into this show, and we're glad we're here for that. And we want we want to be here for yeah. you as well. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Lots to break down there. What you got? Let's give the boss man 
the general manager here, Steve Witten, a shout out, sends us a text right there from Dak's call about what Kirby Smart was saying about this bowl game against Florida State after they just stomped a mud hole in the Seminoles. He he starts to feel sorry for Florida State. And, and I quote, people need to see what happened tonight, and they need to fix this. It needs to be fixed. It's really unfortunate for those kids on that sideline that had to play in that game that didn't have their full arsenal, and it affected the game 100%. There's no doubt about it. Tweeted from uh, Jordan Hill, our dog's Yeah, how about rider. that? Can't wait to hear Jordan and uh, what's going on with UGA basketball moving forward into the new year. But um, I don't know how you fix this because I do feel like it's more – this isn't just a college football NIL transfer portal issue. I think it's becoming more of a generational type uh, attitude and issue where – you know, let's just face it, I'm more from the old school and we were raised that you are going to be part of a team and you were going to lay it on the line for your team. And when, when a, uh, somebody on your team was doing bad or playing bad, you picked them up. And when you were playing good, it wasn't about you, it was about the team. And that's just thrown all out the window in today's world. Well, man, when I was growing up, I mean, and there's there's an age difference here and I'm, I'm on the younger side compared to a lot of people around me. But even when I was growing up, and you wanted to try out a different sport. I'm saying for the first time you wanted to go and, and play soccer or whatever the case may be, right? If you started it, here's what my parents said. You can start it, but you're going to finish it. Oh, no question. You are not going to start it, play two games, and say, I don't like no, it, and no, then no, quit. No, no, that no, that no, wasn't no. an option, right? Mm-hmm. That just wasn't an mm-hmm. option. And so there are so many different arguments and, and discussions here I think there's with, a couple of solutions, though, Jacob. I know where you're coming from. I'm, I'm with you. I'm sorry to cut you no, off. No, you're good. Go ahead. Three things. You said it earlier. NIL contracts, they're going to have to be more lead pipe locked. They're have gonna, to. And the NCAA is going to have to step in and say these type of things have to be in these contracts, including – it, including, you know, you just can't leave. I think it'll be the schools. Yeah, well, there has to be some more consistency, but it's mm-hmm. such a gray area still, too. I mean, if, if everyone else is trying to lock somebody down, you could just say, well, I don't care if you come or go, just come, right? And we'll see if we make it or not. Right. We don't worry about it. So the expanded playoffs naturally will also, I think, stop a lot of this. It may even have to go past 12. I cannot believe I'm saying that, but I am just to keep players from leaving their schools and keeping the integrity of the season. And then uh, they're going to have to cut out some of these bowl games. You know, I was looking at this back in 1983, 40 years ago, young Jacob, there were 16 bowl games, 16, and they didn't kick off until Christmas Day, and I'm not including that. That was the blue-gray game. The Aloha Bowl kicked off, and then it went from there, and it all wrapped up on January 1st. There's too many bowl games. It's too watered down, and they just don't really mean anything. Now, I laughed when I saw that Cheez-It little character <laughs> running around in the Tennessee-Iowa game. I thought, that was, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. But really and truly, who wants to go play in the Cheez-It Bowl? Hey, don't hate on Cheez-Its now. I like cheese is my favorite snack, but yeah. I get I, 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 I get what you're saying. I do, and it's a double edged sword because we sit here and we talk about how bowl games don't matter anymore because most of the time they don't. But yet we're getting fired up over Auburn underperforming in their bowl game, right? But here's the thing: those are two separate things. Right? They are two separate because, issues. and here's why. I'm going to explain myself. Here's why. We're not upset that Auburn lost the bowl game. We're upset that Auburn just flat out laid an egg in the bowl game they, and they looked no terrible. Showed it. Exactly. They did they just didn't show up, didn't care. We're talking about bowl games like the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Like 
I mean, when you have, I've said this for years, there are so many bowl games now. You know, what what's the one requirement you have to have to make a bowl game each and every year? What is it? It's supposed to have a winning season. You got to have six wins. That's the okay. that's the that is the line you got to cross. You got to get to the six win mark. You have teams now because there's so many bowl games and not enough teams hit that mark. You have five and seven teams with a five and seven record, a losing record, are making bowl games to fill the spots. Why? Why are we doing that? And it's, it's ridiculous because now, and you were talking about an expanded playoff, this conversation doesn't affect the avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl, but what it does affect is the Cotton Bowl. What it does affect is the Peach Bowl and the Chick-fil-A, yeah, the Peach Bowl and the uh, Orange the Bowl. The Orange Bowl, a yeah. prestigious bowl that yeah. I've watched every year of my college football life. Yeah, right? the New Year's Six Bowls are worthless now. They are because you're playing with second and third string players, and if you're if you don't want to be in it since you're not in the playoff, people leave and they're gone. I'm with you, but I want my team to always be engaged in it. Okay, and I know right. that sounds a little greedy as a fan, but but which it is. But, but let me tell you what: if 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 they're going to move forward with this philosophy. It, at least at Auburn, that some of these games don't matter. Can, can, can Auburn AD just issue a statement to me and all fans that Coach Freeze isn't going to be involved in the game planning this week, and that way I cannot waste my money buying tickets, and I can go play golf instead of watching my team get its brains beat in, and then third, I can go ahead and lay down uh, the other side and make me a little extra cash. I mean, can we get a statement saying that Coach Freeze isn't going to be involved this week? And that goes back to – the college football calendar, again, which has been expressed by Kirby Smart, by Hugh Freeze, by big-time major coaches. I mean, it has been expressed by numerous big-time coaches. And here's what I'll say. You mentioned that quote from Kirby Smart talking about how it needs to be fixed. Here's how you know it's a problem. A major head coach, back-to-back national championship winning head coach, said that after a 60-point win in their bowl game because he knows it was wrong. He knows it was bad. He knows that it was an embarrassment to the sport of college football for Georgia to go and do what they did. As the head coach of his own team, that's how you know it's bad. 334-321-1390. We're going to get to the phone lines when we come back. We'll wrap up hour number one. Still talking college football, still talking Auburn, and we'd love to get your thoughts as we wrap up the first hour of the show on the other side. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Go. It's got a couple of minutes here as we wrap up this first hour. Don't you worry, though. We got great content coming your way in hour number two. Daryl Dapridge, Double D, will join us for 30 minutes now on Tuesday. So he'll be joining us at 3.15 and talking to us until 3.45. So very, very excited. All things Auburn Athletics. And uh, we may, I mean, we could talk to him for about five hours today with enough Auburn content. But uh, Uncle Timo, we got a couple of minutes before this hour is wrapped up. And Dak asked us a question about the Oregon Ducks. And I think that's a good topic here with a couple of minutes. Bo Nix wrapped up his college career. Finally. Another gra- <laughs> he, he did set the record for the most starts in, in college football, so there, your joke has some merit to it. And 
He wrapped up his college career. Nice win for Oregon over Liberty. I thought that game would be a little bit more exciting, but you just saw the difference in what Oregon and Liberty are. But Dak was saying he believes that Oregon is a top five team and, and could have been a playoff team. Do you think Oregon could have held their own against any of those four teams yesterday? Not after what I saw in that uh, pack. uh Pac-12 championship game against Washington. I know that uh, that was a close game, but Washington was just so much more physical than Oregon. And and you know, don't be too reactionary. And look, I I I have full trust in Dak's opinion. He knows way more about football than I ever will. But not a not a four-team playoff. Washington was so much more physical than Oregon in that game and I know Oregon put up some points uh but they don't really have much of a rush attack and against a good physical defense and I'm with Terry I mean you got to score to win you got it offense is the name of the game in college football in 2024 and moving forward but look at you, you getting the year right I'm impressed I, it's a miracle after never mind and and <laughs> and you have to you have to you must have some physicality on defense look at what Michigan did yesterday and that was pro level type defense against Alabama yeah I'm I would probably put Oregon at six still for me. I think yeah. Georgia. I mean, they got two chances. All right, you want to give them a third? Yeah, and I heard somebody say today, man, they keep counting out on Michael Penix in Washington, and they just oh, keep proving yeah. people wrong. Let me tell you, that's going to be a good game Monday, my friend. Yes, it is. We got a couple of days to talk about that. We'll talk some more about the playoffs coming up in hour number two. And again, Double D, Daryl Dapperich joining us 15 minutes earlier. Moving forward. 315 to 345. We got a lot of Auburn to talk about. Bowl game and basketball. The Tigers back in action at Neville Arena. We'll talk about that coming up in hour number two as well. Don't go anywhere. Hour number two of the Tuesday edition of On the Line coming up. is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy 2024 as we get underway here in hour number two. Man, that first hour flew by. It felt so good to be back on the air, man. felt so good to be talking a little ball on ESPN 106.7, Uncle T-Bone. I feel like that there's a lot of people out there that have a lot to say, so let's get to the uh, phone line. Is it Spectre? I don't know. Let's see. Is it, is it Spectre? Hello. It is Spectre. How about that? Happy hey. New Year, Spectre. How are you? <laughs> Happy New Year's to you guys. Well, what's, you got anything to talk about today, Spectre, on this Tuesday afternoon? You know, i got so much to say, it's going to take me about six weeks of calling in to get it all out. <laughs> well, good thing is we'll be here for even longer than six that. Six weeks and multiple okay. shows, right? Yeah, that's right. Listen, uh, get him, I, heard what, I heard what Dak had to say. and It's really upsetting. 
you know, I went into this bowl game hoping that uh, I, well, I had a feeling we were going to play like we always played all year long. But I was hoping that uh, the staff would get out there and put some players out there and see what they can do, not wait to the fourth quarter when the game's already over with. But, right. uh, but you know, I heard what Coach Freeze said after the game. He said, y'all don't need to be told that I messed up. That's, that's correct. You're absolutely right. Well, you know, if he doesn't make some changes, we're going to end up playing a second year like we did our first year. And you're going to see a bunch of a bunch of five stars hit the portal. And I do not want to see that. So he better get his, get his act together. He, he looked like he was defeated in that game. It's I not, mean, from the get-go, he looked defeated. Yeah, that's not the first time I've seen that look either. Yeah, that's the look I've seen on Harson's face. And I do not want – I don't know what's going on over there on the planes, but I do not want to see that. Well, you know, and, you, you bring up a point there about, you know, Auburn's bringing in some talent. I mean, there, there is no doubt about it. We've got a lot to talk about with that over the next weeks and months. Like, Auburn's bringing in the talent, but – Here's what my dad told me, right? My dad is just an Auburn fan, loves Auburn, and he said, man, if you don't bring in some guys to help this team, especially at the quarterback spot, you may be bringing in all these five stars, but they're going to hit the transfer portal if you don't give them guys to help them out and elevate them and make them elite. And that's a real concern right now. Yeah, me and your dad are brothers. <laughs> Uncle and, uh, Spectre. Uncle Spectre. I didn't know you existed, right. but hey, great to meet you, man. <laughs> Spectre, yeah, I, I'm he, with he, I'm with Jacob here on that and am with you. You know, we've had several interesting conversations, all of us right now on this show about the quarterback situation at Auburn. Um, one thing that concerns me is a couple of weeks ago, basically the message was we're rolling with Peyton Thorne next year. <clears throat> We've got this. We're yeah, going to put is, the weapons around him. It, you know, we're going to get the Cam Coleman's of the world from Central Phoenix City and the Perry Thompsons, and there will be some transfer portal additions. And, and Peyton Thorne's one of the better quarterbacks. Where we'll be coming back next year was pretty much the messaging I was told by the coaches. And then immediately after the game, it was like, "Well, uh, we'll be looking for a new quarterback next year." Yeah, exactly right. And, know, and that's just inconsistent. Right. Hank, that's the first time I've seen Hank Brown. Yeah, that's the first snaps and, he's taken. And that, it, it, I like what I saw, but he just like just like Ashford, he didn't have a chance. And uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen, guys. I really don't. Well, but, uh, yeah. Well, here's what I, I said I about Hank, it, Hank Brown. I mean, there's a reason that's the first time he's played, and that's nothing against him. It's not. But, I mean – he, he's been kind of just back there on the bench hanging out, and, and he's been practicing and all that, but, I mean, he hasn't really cracked into that rotation at all. Right, exactly. Well, you know, like I said, I, I'll be talking more about this. But, you know, I'm going to say this about uh, Peyton Thorne. Mm -hmm. You know, what was his excuse this time for the pick six? He didn't see the guy? I mean, we had white uniforms on. They had black uniforms on. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, it was a terrible, terrible pick six. That's his second pick six of the year in Nashville, Tennessee. 
had one against yep. Vanderbilt. And about as bad as this one was. But I think this one was even worse. I, I mean, too. there wasn't anybody over there, but that guy just baited and him into throwing it. floated it, it over it there. Right over there. I mean, you know, I'm not. there's not a whole lot of defending how Peyton Thorne played Saturday in the Music City Bowl other than that's the worst the offensive lines looked all year. Um, Cam Brown and several other receivers looked like they had zero effort going on those 50-50 Fairweather balls. had a good game. Fairweather was ready to play um you know so was the other tight end frazier you know it was nice to see him out there but but the in in the offensive play call inspector was so vanilla i mean it really did leave a bad gus malzahn taste in my mouth that running the ball straight Ooh. up the middle over and over and over yeah. again it's brutal yeah you're absolutely right i mean it was you know, I, I, at the beginning of the year, you know, I, I was, I said Coach Freeze was like miles on 2.0, but I'm not even thinking it's actually he's doing what miles on did. He's turning everything over to his coordinators, and the coordinators are failing badly. Mm-hmm. And and he needs to do something about that. I, I I hope he changes them out, and he needs to do it now before it gets any worse. Because mm. these players need to have a coordinator on board where they can start doing their spring practice and so on and so forth yeah but anyway i gotta go take a blood pressure pill i'll call you guys later <laughs> thanks specter appreciate the call 334-321-1390 probably not the first caller today that's had to go and uh and, it, and it, take their take their heart or heart rate after after getting on the show well you know it's a long year jacob where it's only the second day of the year. Let's take a big deep breath, everyone, and pace yourself. Yeah. I know everyone's going to have a lot to say about this first year of Auburn football under uh, Hugh Freeze, but, um, you know, just take a big deep breath in in and out. <laughs> and, and, and Get, pace get your paper bag, you know. you, know? you got to put your thumb on your wrist and chill out just a second. Go for it. You know, it's good to hear from Spectre. Uh, you know what, man? I was actually out for two weeks, Jacob, yeah. because I was on vacation – and uh, was out in the great west of Colorado. Uh, but, man, just being back and hearing all these callers, it's just awesome. I mean, we've got such great callers, and Dak and, and John and Specter and Terry. I mean, the regulars here. I, wh- where's my man, Ed? I want to wish Ed a Happy New Year. He happy needs to New get in Year. here. Yeah. Ed, we need to hear from you. So, uh, But in all seriousness, Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, just take a big, deep breath. And, you know, we got Auburn basketball tonight, too. So yeah, yeah we, we do. just don't want to overdo it this first day back. That's right. And we got a, a couple of minutes here. We'll end up taking an early break because, reminder, um, if you've been with us on Tuesdays, you know that Daryl Dapperch has been with us for a while. He joins us at 3.30. Well, he's going to start doubling his time with us. He loves us so much, and he's such a big fan favorite that we're doubling his time. Time, and we're not increasing his pay. I'm just kidding. We're uh, we're going to bring him on though at 3:15 starting on Tuesdays now instead of 3:30. Talking all things Auburn athletics, football, basketball, baseball. When we get to that time, uh, we'll get his thoughts on the college football playoff. I'm sure he'll have a thing or two to say about Alabama losing in the college football playoff. So that'll be coming up at 3:15. So excited uh, to get him on for double the time, double dose of double D. How about that? That's going to be a lot of fun with Daryl Dapperch. But got just a couple minutes here before we take that break and yeah you had the playoff games last night uncle t-bone both games came down to the final play crazy how about that i mean probably the best playoff semifinals other than a few years ago when you had georgia oklahoma i mean that in the in that rose bowl i mean these games yesterday were were incredible I was sitting there watching the uh, Alabama-Michigan game and for about three quarters thinking to myself, well, 
this is kind of just a throwback game, and and it's kind of it, it's sort of boring, you know. I was eating some popcorn and just chilling, and you know, this looks like a game that Alabama's about to suffocate Michigan, like we've seen one thousand times before under Nick Saban. It feels like, but I, I just had something in the back of my mind saying, you know, just hang in there, Uncle T, because in the last about five six minutes of this game, it's going to get wild, and it did get wild. Yeah, both of them did, and then you had Washington take, you know, just completely give up's not the right term but they just they quit playing they they let a good texas team almost come back and beat them right. when they were up by 10 with what like three minutes to go or something like that i mean it was you it was cannot crazy. let your gas off the foot pedal or your foot off the gas there pedal. You go. there it is sorry excuse me <laughs> i'll get warmed up for 2024 you cannot do that in today's college football world against somebody like steve sarkeesian who can dial it up who's been in the pros, who knows how to get his maximum amount of plays in the last couple of minutes of a game. And I'm going to say this. John brought this earlier up about uh, special teams, and, and it really is an art form that I think is being lost in college football just because of all the craziness in college football, especially on offense. Mm-hmm. It's just go, 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 go. Um, why in the world oh. did that guy at Michigan try and catch the punt? He never even the, should have been back That there. was First of all, that was a bomb of a punt. Yeah, it was. Alabama's punter had a great night. He hits this huge kick. Do do what you should have done, Auburn, in the Iron Bowl, and just wave and run forward about 20 yards and let that ball go over your head. Yep, yep, because it was going to go in the end zone. And then he tried to catch it, and he fumbled it, got back on top of it at the half-yard line somehow. I mean, what a disaster that could have been. We could have been sitting here today saying, was that not one of the most bonehead moves you've ever seen someone on a team do to lose a football game in that big of a situation? Yeah, it could have been. But he recovered it, and Alabama lost. Michigan won. And Michigan and Washington will face off in the national championship game. We'll talk about that. We'll talk Auburn football. We'll talk Auburn basketball as the boys playing tonight against Penn at Neville Arena. That's all coming up when Double D, Daryl Daprich, will join us for a 30-minute segment. He's joining us for even longer now in the new year in 2024. He'll be joining us when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge studio here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Joining me in the studio, and not not normally with me on Tuesdays, but Uncle T-Bone with me. He's always with me Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays here on the show. Uh, But with no show yesterday, we've been out for a while. He wanted to come in, and of course, I always love having him as my co-host on on the show. And so he's with me in the studio. I'm Jacob Goins, and as we do every Tuesday, we're having Double D, Daryl Daprich, on the show, but... Instead of having them on at 3.30, 
we decided we have so much fun and we always have so much to talk about and we always run over on our time. Daryl was nice enough with his time to come on for double the amount of time. And I said this before the break, it's a double dose of double D. Daryl Dapper's with us on the phone lines. Daryl, Happy New Year to you, man. Merry Christmas. I know it's belated and I hope you're doing well. Well, Happy uh, New Year to you guys as well. And yeah, I guess it's that Italian mouth of mine that I like to run. Being Italian, I needed to have more time, right? That's what it came down to. But really looking forward, and I hope you had a good Christmas and Happy New Year to you. Yes, we did, and we appreciate you and your time. We always have so much fun talking, and, and, and it really is true. I mean, we always end up running out of time because there's so much to talk about, and it's so conversational uh, with you, and you have a chance to talk with uh, with Uncle Tebow today as well. Um, and we got a lot to to discuss, and so we're going to jump right into it. We've talked a lot about the bowl game today, Daryl, and we haven't even scratched the surface on everything that happened and what went down and, and the meaning of it and all that, but we just want the the initial couple of days later breakdown of the Music City Bowl from Auburn when, uh, well, we'll just say it like it is, they got embarrassed by Maryland on Saturday. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's one of those deals with bowl games. It's like rolling the dice. If it's not in my opinion, a New Year's Six or the playoffs, you're happy to be there, you want to be there, but I always feel like the team that wants to be there the most is the one that's going to come out and prevail. And you, and you really can't tell going into it because you don't know what's going behind on behind the scenes of preparation. I would have guessed and would have bet everything I had that Auburn was just as excited to be there as Maryland. I mean, you know, not getting into a bowl game last year, it being Hugh Freeze's first year and them getting to a bowl in his first year, having that opportunity to win one more game and you know it be a winning season, I really thought Auburn would have come out with more intensity, more passion. And to be honest with you guys, they just looked like, Jacob, they, they didn't want to be there. And that was surprising to me. Yeah. Um, that it just, I don't know. I mean, it looked like they were kind of going through the motions and they were not too thrilled to be there. And look, I... I'm old school about certain things, and I, I I respect everyone's opinion. So if your opinion is of, of of this, what I'm about to say, I'm not trying to, you know, be disrespectful. But I'm really tired of hearing this bowl game as an exhibition game narrative. It's not. It's not. An exhibition game doesn't count in the standings. A bowl game does. And at the end of the day, when Nick Saban and Bear Bryant and all these great coaches, Bobby Bowden, when they tallied up, their final record overall, Joe Paterno, on how many wins they had and how they were the winningest coaches in college football, bowl games count towards those wins. If they do, it's not an exhibition. It matters. And it matters to the difference between six and seven and seven and six matters to me. And it should matter if you're a player and it should matter if you're a coach. So this whole narrative about it being an exhibition game and they don't matter. To me, it's a lot of times people say that when they're on the losing end. And I don't buy that. And quite frankly, I'm tired of hearing it. Yeah, I am too, Daryl. I'm gonna tell you who uh, who it mattered to, and I, you know, I don't know if the coaches were were excited to be there or the players. You know, it seemed like uh, coming out of the tunnel, they were not. But it, but but I know Auburn fans were excited about it. That was a bowl game almost in their own backyard in Nashville. They'd already kind of had a Nashville takeover when Auburn fans traveled well to Vanderbilt. Thirty thousand plus Auburn fans sitting behind that bench. You know, over the last ten 
years, Daryl Auburn's, excuse me, 10 seasons, two and seven in bowl games. But I know for a fact that Auburn people have traveled well just about to every single one of those bowl games. So this isn't a fan issue. This is a program issue. How do you think they turn that around moving forward where every game matters and every game needs to be coached like it matters? That's a very underrated point, and, I, and I'm glad you said that because if, first of all, if the fans are expected to not treat it like an exhibition game and spend good money for a hotel and some flights and to travel and to spend food, eat, eat on Broadway and all that, then, then dang it, you better take it seriously like it's not, and, and you better prepare for it. And that's how you turn it around. You've got to show the urgency that the fan. I, they owe the fans an apology for that performance. The ones that spent big money on tickets and traveling, they didn't treat it like an exhibition. And I don't want to hear, again, this crap about I was preparing. I, I didn't put in a game plan. I let someone else put the game plan in. I was recruiting. Look, you're a head coach in the SEC. There are a lot of coaches that do both. I'm very pro you freeze. I think he's going to do a good job. But I'm a little bit tired of the back and forth on play calling, game planning. He was hired because of his offensive, you know, uh, fortitude and his 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 intelligence on that side of the ball. I want him calling plays. If you look different during the year calling plays and you're successful, why the hell do you go away from that and stop calling plays? I get recruiting's important. It's the lifeblood. But you know what? There's plenty of coaches that have figured out how to do both, yeah. that recruit successful during that time period and also have their team prepared for the bowl game. Figure it out, and that'll turn it around. Figure it out how to multitask, because I don't want to hear any more. If, if I know this meddling thing. People talk about meddling. Don't meddle. Let John Cohen sit down with him and say, I want you calling plays next year. You're an innovative play caller. We look better when you're calling plays. We almost beat Alabama with you calling plays. We went on our little run with you calling plays. You call plays. Period. End of story. Yeah, and and here's what I'll say to that too. I mean, you've got you've got coaches and teams playing for college football playoffs and national championships that are recruiting and and saving their teams from the transfer portal that are finding ways to get it done. And you know, Daryl, it goes back to the the whole college football calendar, right? Where you've got bowl games and you've got recruiting and you have the transfer portal and all this stuff happening at one time like to to kind of you know get the other side of this here it is difficult to do what they're trying to do as head coaches and and Hugh Freeze has definitely stated that they are and I get the windows and maybe that's that's looked at maybe you start looking at dates and moving dates around but then you start looking into okay well if you want to get them in for spring ball you can't open the portal that late. I would love for there to be a, some sort of solution to where transfer portal and signing day didn't happen till after the national championship game. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I know it's not feasible to get kids on campus in the spring with classes starting, but I don't know. This, this formula is not working, and these opt-outs. I mean, I think about the people that paid <laughs> Florida State and Georgia fans that paid good money for the Orange Bowl flying to Miami, not a cheap place to stay, Orange Bowl tickets. It's so watered down. Change the window then. Change the calendar. Do something. You can't tell me when money's involved that people that are supposed to be smart and supposed to figure out network executives, school presidents, 
people like that, that you can't figure out how to get this fixed. Because again, and I don't want, I don't want, I want all bowl games to matter. I, I yeah. know that I've seen some schools, some group of fives that, you know, it, it, it's important to them. And if Auburn would have won that game, just like Uncle T-Bone said, I mean, the, the fans, I was at the Vanderbilt game. I covered it for Locked on Auburn, and mm-hmm. it was it was absolutely Jordan-Hare North. I left the stadium to go to the press conference, and I heard, heard a roar. And I thought Vanderbilt scored. And Auburn had an interception, and they strike up the band. I'm going, <laughs> is this a home game? Right. I mean, it was unbelievable. We were walking to the stupid construction trailer because of all the construction, and it hmm. was it, that needs to be rewarded. And people are going to start getting cynical and go, well, we go. you know, Auburn's just going to the Citrus Bowl. and It's not, especially with the 12-team playoff, mm-hmm. it's going to really feel like you're on the outside looking in when more teams are available to go. And they'll just say, ah, I, I just, I'm not going to go. Auburn's not going to, they'll have opt-outs. And, they, you know, obviously they're not, they're going to be worried about recruiting in the transfer portal. I'll just stay home. It could be, it could be dangerous. It's a dangerous, it's a dangerous trend that i see yeah i mean it sure looked like uh the game mattered to uh maryland head coach mike loxley and that he and the few maryland fans that were there were having a good time so pivoting to something that hugh freeze and his staff have been really good at so far this year recruiting obviously december 20th uh, the early signing period really the de facto signing day now in college football tigers across the board top eight depending on basically what uh, service you look at. They're not done yet, or maybe they are. What are you hearing about Ryan Williams down there in Mobile? Man, I tell you, I, I, I just think this one's up for grabs. I, I can't get a read one way or the other. I'm definitely not willing to punt and think that he is, you know, is absolutely 100% locked in with Alabama. And then I'm also not willing to believe a lot of the things that I hear back channels with people saying it's a done deal He's flipping to Auburn. I do believe this one will go down to the wire in February, and I think Auburn's in it, and I think Auburn's in it strongly, and I think it's one of those situations where what's going to happen over the next month and a half from a coaching staff standpoint at Auburn to maybe a coaching staff standpoint at Alabama? Does Auburn ride with Peyton Thorne? Because that whole narrative has changed to me. You better believe I think it. after that bowl game, it, it it's – there's some things going on back channels, guys. I, I know you know it, that there's some meetings that are taking place and that I think that Auburn will pursue a quarterback in the transfer portal. And so what does that mean to Ryan Williams? I, there's just a lot of uh, unknowns up in the air, and I wouldn't rule out I, – I wouldn't be shocked if he stayed with Alabama, and I wouldn't be shocked if he flipped with Auburn. I think this thing is still wide open and right now too close to call. Yeah, well, that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother, you know, topic and conversation and talking point for folks like us when it comes to that quarterback battle because that could be the difference in Ryan Williams flipping to Auburn or sticking with Alabama. And then, of course, from from now, Daryl, until the start of next season, we're all going to be talking about who the starting quarterback is going to be for Auburn in twenty twenty four because a couple of weeks ago it was Peyton Thorne. It was a locked done deal, and now. Hugh Freeze said it's up for grabs. So that's something that you and I are going to talk a lot about between now and then. But hold on. We're going to keep talking to Daryl Dapperidge of Locked On Auburn, Montgomery Radio legend, joining us on the phone lines. He'll be joining us each and every Tuesday for 30 minutes beginning at 315. We'll pick back up with Daryl. Talk a little basketball, too, when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Don't go anywhere. 
Online with Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Joining me on this Tuesday is Uncle T-Bone here inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. And on the phone lines as we continue talking with Daryl Dapperts, Double D with Locked on Auburn. He joins uh, Zach Blackerby on Fridays. They also do a post-game show for basketball. Daryl, plug everything you got where people can find all the things you're doing, man. Sure. Uh, I'm Monday mornings uh, with our good friend Ben Taylor at WANI, Auburn Opelika this morning. And then I've got, like I said, Fridays, Locked on Auburn, where you get your podcast and on YouTube. After every basketball game, Zach and I go live. So when it hits triple zeros, we go. On YouTube, we go up live and people have an opportunity to, to chat and ask questions and that kind of thing. So it's about to get pretty busy. we got two games this week, of course, tonight against the Quakers. We need a little payback for the uh, baseball regional yeah. over, over there. And then uh, Saturday, uh, Arkansas Super Bowl um, when <laughs> Auburn comes to town <laughs> and, and Auburn plays. Hey, real quick, just yeah. a little breaking news. You guys probably I, – I didn't listen prior before me getting on, so you may or may not know this, and if you did, I apologize. But uh, Caden Salter just uh, made an announcement. He's planning to enter the transfer portal, the quarterback for Liberty. Yeah, we uh, actually yesterday. just uh, discussed that during the break, Darrell, believe it or not. Oh, well, there you go. So just I say that because that is somebody that Auburn is definitely interested in. Okay, well, yeah, uh, a, raw, for- a raw question here then. It, what? Yeah, it just uh, off, just uh, shooting uh-huh. from the hip here, Darrell, what do you think? <laughs> I think that uh, it's a very real possibility that Auburn pursues him. Uh, now, how many other teams or programs pursue him? But I think, you know, I think that's somebody, not because Auburn tampered, but I think that Auburn's definitely interested in him and kept an eye on him from a distance because he's somebody that played for Hugh Freeze. Yeah. And, you know, I, like Hank Brown was going to sign with Liberty and Hugh Freeze. So it's interesting. I would not be surprised if Auburn went after him pretty hard. Uh, you know, it's a name we heard for quite a while. I'll be honest, for like two months. And again, not because Auburn contacted him, but because they said if this is a kid that ever enters the portal, it's a good fit for Auburn and Hugh Freeze because Hugh Freeze coached him. So, you know, we heard the Riley Leonard name and all that as well, and all that really didn't pan out, and I think that has a lot to do with cost. And when you're trying to build with NIL and you have a budget and all that, you got to get some line, defensive line help and maybe a tackle or two. It all matters. It's like a salary cap. It's just amazing. So I, I think that's one to keep an eye on. And quite frankly, I, I think that he uh, is, is, would be a good fit. And I think he'd, he'd make an impact. I really do. Well, the, the thing I like about the Salter kid is that he's a sophomore and he has multi-years of eligibility. I mean, it, 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 as bad as Peyton Thorne looked in the Music City Bowl – and at times this season, he also looked really good a lot this season at times. And, and look, he's, he was here only, you know, at the beginning of the summer. He hasn't even been through a spring practice. So do you think that there's someone out there really with just one year of eligibility who's going to come in and at the price you said, right, because there's only so many dollars to go around that's going to be that much significantly better than Peyton Thorne for just one year? I think the, I think that ship has sailed. Now that would have been the 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 blueprint or the the mo I would have followed is that I would have gotten a one year rental. I would have done it earlier. I would have tried to pursue a guy like a Riley Leonard or some of these other big names that went, 
Um, because a guy like Salter, you expect him to come and battle with Walker White and Hank Brown? I mean, that's, that's, the real, that's the reality of it is he's not going to be a rental. You, you bring in someone like that, then you run the risk of a guy like Walter White or, or Walker White or um, you know, Hank Brown leaving next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's, it's such a del- – I mean, I think if you bring in a guy that's a one-year starter – then a thorn, a thorn could transfer, or Holden Gurner could transfer. And then you got three in the quarterback room, so right. it is delicate. My my personal preference would have been get a guy that's a one year rental that can light it up, that could be an NFL type prospect, and then build behind it with White and Brown and you know whoever else you might be able to bring in that's young. So yeah, I'm I don't with know. you on I that, Daryl. I, I don't think they go get Salter. If they go get Salter, I don't think they're bringing in Caden Salter to sit. <laughs> I'll mm, say that okay. much. They bring him in to unseat Thorne. Yeah, I, I still think that you got to go out and if you go out and get a one year guy, okay, and th- that's going to cost a lot. Say Cam Ward, okay, or Riley Leonard, who they may have pursued and then just kind of got outbid on there at the end by Notre exactly Dame. Exactly what happened. So, yeah, that's what so. Happened. So, you know, there's only so many dollars to go around. Where are you going to put those dollars, right, in the state of Alabama trying to finally win recruits like we did on December 20th when we've been shut out for linebackers and premier wide receivers for years? Or do you go out – is there enough money, I guess, is the question in the pot to go out and just get this premier one-year rent-a-quarterback guy who's that much better than Peyton Thorne? I understand what you're saying. I understand the argument of got to get weapons. And that with all these weapons and all this money spread around to get weapons for Peyton Thorne, but I I still think that the quarterback position is your most important and it has to be a difference maker. Yeah. Now, J.J. McCarthy's really not. He's solid. Um, you know, but you look at a guy like Penix who elevated Washington's program to, to the level that just two years ago they were struggling and fired their head coach. So, I think you can, if you get a guy that's the right guy, he could take you to the playoffs next year. And I understand about all this, these weapons around you and having the weapons, but you can have all the weapons in the world, and if you ain't got the right guy to pull the trigger, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying you can't right. improve and go from six and seven to maybe eight and four, but is that what we, is that what we're talking about here? Or are we talking about trying to get back into national prominence getting the player? And I think an elite playoffs, I think an elite signal caller – does that, and you you better find the money. I guess is what I'm saying. Well, I'm yeah. also yeah. I'm sorry. I'm I, real quick, Daryl. I'm also coming to the conclusion though, if Auburn does go eight and four next year, it's not the end of the world because this roster is so broken. Right. I mean, this. I'm not. The, I'm not upset about that either. As long as I see marked right progress. It, I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Well, and here's yeah, the thing. I mean, I mean, because look at look at everyone wants to make the Kirby. Uh, argument. Yeah, he Steve inherited Sarkeesian a goal mine. Yeah, Steve, Steve Sarkeesian went five and seven his first year, and then eight and four his second and his third year won twelve games. Boom. That's the trajectory you want to look at. Yeah, I mean that's it. That that's that's the statement right there. That is the statement right there. Give the coach the time. Let him do his thing. You got to show the improvement, and it'll work Don't out. Regress. Right. Don't regress. That's the one problem. Do not regress. Right. I want to see more proof of concept on the field. I love the recruiting class. I'm excited about it. But you don't hang a freaking banner for having a top ten recruiting class. It's important. It gets you where you want to go. 
But I want to start seeing some on-the-field results for payoffs for those type of recruiting classes. Yeah, well, that that takes not no-showing games. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. Here, here's what I'll say before, because I do want to get a little basketball conversation sure. in too, Daryl. Here's what Caden Salter, again, if you missed it, Caden Salter, the Liberty quarterback, has announced that he's going to be entering the transfer portal. Here were his stats this season. Almost 2,900 yards, 32 touchdowns, six interceptions on the season as a sophomore for Liberty and took him to a New Year's Six Bowl. So now do his running now do his rushing statistics. Yeah, his rushing stats I had him and I lost him. I mean they're just hundred yards they're ridiculous. And 12 touchdowns. Yeah. So he I mean he combined for almost four thousand yards of offense and forty something touchdowns. I think the running stats matter too because he can do something if a play breaks down. So mm-hmm. yeah he's 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 a video game. He really is and you know was a big recruit for Tennessee Got in some trouble. Um, who knows? Auburn's good at the redemption stories with quarterbacks that get in trouble. <laughs> you better believe it. They've had their history there. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Hey, we're talking with Daryl Dapper. It's Double D from Locked on Auburn, uh, who joins us every Tuesday on the show. Our second segment with him as he'll be joining us for 30 minutes each and every Tuesday here on ESPN 106.7. We do have some basketball tonight, Daryl, as the mm-hmm. Auburn Tigers are wrapping up non-conference play, taking on Penn tonight at Neville Arena. Uh, they don't they don't ask people like us what time they want the games to start, man. 8 o'clock tip is late, man. That, that's it's a late tip for sure, but uh, your your expectations on what this team will do tonight looking ahead to SEC play against Arkansas on Saturday. That's the key. You, you cannot – what Auburn has done really good the last couple games is just worry about Auburn and the level and standard of Auburn basketball, not so much being concerned about the level of opponent. doesn't matter what the score is. They keep trying to play at a high level. Auburn needs to not go into this game tonight – and be lethargic and flat, riding high on being ranked for the first time this year, looking ahead to a trip to Fayetteville, they need to say, you know what, we need to just play at our level of basketball, high level of basketball, not worry about Penn or who's on the other side, just worry about Auburn. Because Penn is the type of team in that Ivy League system that will take the shot clock down to three, four seconds and can frustrate the crap out of you, especially Mm -hmm. if you're a run-and-gun high-flying, up-and-down, good-tempo team like Auburn. Auburn has got to be patient, and they better get some sort of semblance of a half-court offense tonight because they're not going to be able to get up and down with Penn taking the shot clock down to three or four. If The good thing about that style is if Auburn gets up double digits, Katie bar the door, it's over. Penn doesn't have that type of offense when you get into the shot clock that deep to come back traditionally, so Auburn needs to be patient. Don't let them frustrate you. Play your style. Try to commit some turnovers because I think you'll have an athletic advantage. And when you do have an opportunity to run and get out and transition, do it. But you better find a half-court set. Look for Broom and Jalen Williams to potentially have big games tonight in a half-court set playing off one another when they play that three or four out. Williams comes out to the top of the key. He can stroke the three. Or he can also feed that entry pass into Janai Broom. Broom does the same thing. He comes out high to the top of the key yeah. and has become a little bit of a good passer. That's important, and that skip skip pass across the zone, Denver Jones, your guards, Auburn's got to stay patient. Don't get flustered if you don't get out to a big lead and you're in the mud with them a little bit because that's the way they like to play. Well, you said the name, Daryl, that when this guy plays well, 
Auburn wins basketball games, and he is the winningest player in Auburn basketball history, and his name is Jalen Williams. And when he decides he wants to be the man and decides he wants to play with a little fight and a little anger, he's the best player on the floor. And you look at the game against Chattanooga, he was 100% from the floor. You give Auburn another option to go with Broom in the front court, and now have two, let's say, all SEC caliber performers at the five and the four, watch out. Because what's going to happen is Holloway and Jones and KD and Donaldson and, you know, Chad Baker Mazar are going to hit a lot of shots and have a lot of opportunities from the perimeter because people are going to start having to sag. They're going to have to clog the middle. They're going to have to double broom. If they double broom, then Williams is going to be open. If they switch to Williams, broom will be open. There's so much you can do. And that Bruce Pearl-style offense where he plays the big men away from the basket a lot of times and brings the other team's bigs out, That Jalen Williams is, a, is an inside-outside guy. He dunks on people's heads, and he hits the three. Yeah, And he gets out in transition. I mean, it's the awesome. dunk that he had off of Leo Berman's miss, where he flew down the line, I mean, he is elite, an elite around-the-rim guy. I think that his emergence, finally, after four or five years of being at the level – that everyone thought he could be at, which is all SEC caliber, not just a nice side piece, is going to be the key to Auburn making a deep tournament run. Daryl, you said something about Penn that I don't think Bruce Pearl and his staff over the years at Auburn gets enough credit for scheduling all sorts of different type teams and systems and what I call the preseason, which is regular the regular season, before SEC play, that's the first third of the season, moving into the next third, which is conference, and then postseason play. Um, you said it about Penn, they better be ready to play, they better be ready to get physical and go ahead and get a lead and build on that lead. What do you expect out of the Tigers, though, moving into SEC play where it's going to get significantly tougher week in, week out, this Saturday in Arkansas? Well, that's an underrated point you just made. I don't want to gloss over it. He plays a lot of different styles so that if he sees that style in the NCAA tournament, he's prepared for it. And teams like Arizona last year got caught flat-footed when Princeton beat them in the first round playing that same style. So I think he does get credit for playing at different places, unique places at a group of five gym. That prepares him for the tournament. Now, getting into SEC play, I think Auburn's depth is what's got them really, really well suited Mm -hmm. for going into conference play. I don't care if you're Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, whoever. It's going to be very hard. Now, your your top five or six may be better than Auburn's, but your top ten ain't. And I think that if you can get into into another team's bench, if Auburn's down four or five like they were against Indiana and a certain five went on the floor and created an 18-4 run, Auburn can do that in conference play, too, when you start getting into 8, 9, 10, or 11. And if coaches are afraid to get into their bench against Auburn, then Auburn's depth can wear that, that, those starters down. So you've got to pick your poison. I like where they're positioned because of their depth, and I think he'll continue. You see most coaches do it in the non-conference schedule, and then they get into the conference schedule and they pucker up a little bit and only play 7 or 8. Mm-hmm. I don't think Auburn will do that. I think Bruce Pearl will still go 10 deep once the conference season starts. I love it, man. This team, uh, I said at preseason, this is the most talented team I think Auburn's ever had. 
just top to bottom. And I believe that, and I think you're going to see that with that depth. You'll see it tonight as they take on Penn, and then hopefully you see that and see them play well on Saturday when they open up SEC play in Fayetteville, taking on Arkansas. Daryl Dapperts, Double D, joining us on the phone lines as he does every Tuesday, an extended visit this time and moving forward. Daryl, we appreciate you and your time so much. Always a joy uh, to, to talk with you. Uh, glad that you are uh, feeling better coming out of the holidays, man. Let everybody know where they can find you and everything you do one more time. Locked on Auburn Friday mornings with Zach Blackerby where you get your podcast and on YouTube. And then after every basketball game, we go live regardless of what time it is. Tonight being an example of that, we'll go live. And uh, we love talking basketball and taking questions through the group chat. Awesome, man. Well, hey, pour a Red Bull in that coffee tonight and stay up and do a good job. All right, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. All right, take care, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks so much. That's Daryl Dapperts joining us on the phone lines, as he does every single Tuesday. And, again, he is starting to join us at 3.15 now instead of 3.30. So uh, we're getting double time with Double D. We'll come back and take our final break. We'll take our final break, come back and wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, huge shout out to Daryl Dapperich. He always joins me on Tuesdays, but now we get him for two segments. 30 minutes each Tuesday? What do we do? What do we do to get so lucky to have Daryl on? He's awesome. He is. We love Daryl very, very much. We are uh, very appreciative of him, his time, his information, his fellowship. I mean, just a wonderful dude uh, that talks about Auburn better than most. And so we appreciate him joining us on the phone lines, and uh, he will be with us every Tuesday from 315 to 345. So really excited to have him as we get into SEC play for basketball and then baseball. Daryl's a huge baseball guy now. Don't let don't let him fool you, man. He's a huge baseball guy as well so excited to have him along for the ride Uncle Tebow, it's been great to have you in the studio on Tuesdays. Uh, That's right. After today, we'll pick up normal schedule Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. But sure. um, with the new year and everything like that, it was great to have you back in here. It's been a great show. And, uh, man, we, we just – I mean, we haven't even scraped the paint off the car yet, man. We got yeah, so much I farther mean, to go. The show just has flown by. I know. Um, we didn't even talk about Washington, Texas, and we barely talked about Alabama and Michigan. But, you know, the good thing is we can do this all again tomorrow, beginning at 2 o'clock. Yes, we can. And until 4, and I think we'll have plenty of content to roll with. It's been a great first show of the year. Happy New Year, everyone, in 2024. May you be blessed, and uh, we'll be blessed with uh, several more shows to go this this uh, year. Yeah, I'm excited to, to to start this new year with you and, and with everybody listening. It's a We got a lot coming. I mean, that's what we can say. We got a lot of big things coming for this show, uh, for right. you and I. I mean, just a lot for our listeners. I mean, there's there's a lot of great things in the works around here. And that's with our show. That's with ESPN 106.7. That's with the Auburn Network family of radio stations. I mean, we, we're doing great things over here right now. So um, 2024 is off to a great start. Auburn and Penn tonight, Neville Arena. Tigers favored by a bunch. I mean, if they go in and take care of business, they should take care of business. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like this will be the type game, like Daryl said, that they'll, they'll want to get us down kind of in the dirty in the trenches and playing their game. It'll take a minute for Auburn to adjust. I, I like for Auburn to be up at halftime, but to be a little bit more uh, closer and more uncomfortably closer than most Auburn fans would like. And then the physicality of the Tigers should pull again, pull away late. Look, he said something about putting somebody in there with Broom, and Jalen Williams is obviously one of those candidates. But there are other candidates, too. And I'm telling you – 
when they put Dylan and when they put uh, Caldwell Cardwell in there, and if they can put him in there and run the floor against these teams that want to play a little bit more system-like finesse that are smaller, you better watch out because that kid is a physical beast also. Auburn, man, it's a fun team. Strap in because tonight should be fun. Sure. Saturday should hey, be fun Hey, finally ranked well. in the top AP, top 25. Oh, yeah. It's about time. About time. It only took them two weeks to figure that part out. Doesn't matter. Auburn's the underdog. That's fine. They're not the underdog tonight, though. 21 and a half point favorites. I just double-checked. They should roll. Auburn's top 25. We'll talk about this game tomorrow. More on the college football playoff. We'll see if Auburn has a new quarterback tomorrow. I doubt it, but you never know. I guess you'll have to tune in and find out. Uh, we have to show <laughs> that uh, calls it like it is, man. And holds nothing back. That's right, brother. Hey, Uncle T-Bone, thank you so much. Appreciate you. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.